In the name of God, our Creator, in the name of Jesus, our Redeemer, in the name of the Holy Spirit, our Sustainer. Amen. One of the things that I enjoy the most about my job here at All Saints is the continuing education I receive. I'm not talking about the kind of continuing education where I go away for a week and study something or hear a, a, a speaker of some kind and do something intentionally. I'm talking about the ongoing continuing education that I receive um, because of the work that I do with our children. Um, as I work on the lesson plans for the two, three, four-year-olds, kindergartners through fifth grade, I continually learn more about the scriptures. Now, when I was ordained, I, t I took a vow, among others, to uh, continue my study of the scriptures, and in no time in my ministry has it been as rich as it has been the last six years. You see, if you're going to try to take the scriptures and bring them down to a two-year-old's level or a kindergartner's level, there's a bit of a challenge there even with the best curriculum and to make it ours rather than some other companies where we've purchased the curriculum. In seminary, it's absolutely impossible to, uh, to study the scriptures in, a, in their completeness and their complexity. There's a New Testament 1, New Testament 2 survey course over the first year and an Old Testament 1, an Old Testament 2 survey course over the first year. And then I had the opportunity to select three or four electives that would focus in on one book of the Bible. But that's about it. That's about all that we who are bold enough to stand before you and, and, and uh, interpret them for you get in seminary. What's happened to me in the last six years is the flesh has been put on some of the bones, especially of the Old Testament. Right now, let me give you an example. Right now we're studying uh, for six-week rotation in the Journey into the Bible program um, the story of Abraham and Sarah. Now, I knew who they were. I knew that Abram had been, Abram had been, Abraham had been Abram before he was Abraham and Sarah, Sarah. And I knew that Isaac was their son, and it means laughter. And I knew they left a place called Ur, Ur the Chaldeans, and journeyed to, to Cana. But there was a part of the story that I'd missed until recently, and that is a famine occurred, and they had to go to Egypt, and then came back to, to Cana later. And slowly a patchwork of, of a message has worked its way into my life. Suddenly I realized that Joseph... You remember Joseph, Jacob's son, one of the twelve, was beaten by his brothers, thrown in a pit, sold into slavery, and ends up in Egypt. And guess what? A famine comes, and his brothers have to come to Egypt to survive. And they're saved. And then later we get to the New Testament, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. And right after his birth in a dream, Joseph is told to take Jesus to Egypt to avoid another kind of danger, another kind of death. And slowly I see this being woven into this wonderful tapestries of stories about God's work and, and lives of those who have gone before us, both the Hebrew people and the Hebrew scriptures, and Jesus, even our Lord, who was saved by a journey in exile to another land for a time. Well, these stories get woven into our lives and into the scriptures um, in very intentional ways. In fact, today, Jesus, we just heard the same story twice, if you were paying attention. The first prophet, Isaiah, stood before the Hebrew people and pronounces that they have gone astray. They have erred and strayed away like lost sheep. 
They have forgotten the poor. They have forgotten the needy. They have forgotten the widow. They've forgotten the orphans. They have forgotten the fact that God made everything that is and gives it over to us to be stewards of that creation. They probably had forgotten that that they had to take the garbage down to the dump rather than leave it outside of their house in order to keep disease down. They've just forgotten everything. And Isaiah stands before them and says, this is what God is going to do to this wonderful vineyard that he created and has given over to your care. You know, tear down the, the walls, destroy the hedges, those things that protect, that give you security. No rain is going to fall. You're going to be alone and desolate, a waste place. And sure enough, in just a short period of time, the Babylonians come and take the Hebrew people into exile for years, generations. And then they return. But they didn't learn from their mistakes. Some five, six hundred years later, Jesus is standing before the Hebrew people, before the Pharisees and the chief priests and others of his time, and he's telling them the same story. Because they have done the same thing. They have forgotten the poor and the needy and the widow and the orphan. They have, they have left God's ways. They have become consumers and not givers, takers, and not freely offering to others that which they need for life. So he tells the same story. Landowner creates a place, builds a watchtower, a vine press, gives it over to the people. And after a while, they forget how they got it. And they don't return anything. And they don't share anything. And Jesus tells them that he is the cornerstone. The one that they need to be drawing their bearings off of. And he knows what's coming. For just like in the Old Testament story, When the heir comes, the one who is to receive that which has been given to the father or the mother or the family, that he too will be killed. And you see, if you killed the heir, then the first person to lay claim on whatever property was there didn't have to be a family member. Whoever said, this is mine, got the property. So they wanted to kill the heir so that they could get the property. This is also our story. God sent Jesus to save you and me, to lead us into new ways, to teach us God's desires. And he was killed. It's our story. Because we sometimes are tight-fisted with our money. We sometimes overlook the poor and the needy. We forget the orphans. We want it for ourselves. And we aren't too worried about what we do in the process. Let me give you an example from my my own life. My undergraduate degree, as many of you know, is in geology. And in geology, I learned the history of the Earth. I learned about all kinds of changes and chances over the billions of years that this planet has existed since God created it. And I learned about ice ages and warm periods of time when the seas came up, way up into the Mississippi River Basin. I don't need to give you a geology lesson from the pulpit, but I learned that the earth changes over time. 
The poles have changed. They've, they've flipped several times. We have proof of that. There I go again with geology. And so 20 years ago, 15 years ago, when we started talking about global warming, I didn't think much about it. In fact, I sort of dismissed it because I know, I know what the earth does. I am acting like God. And there have been warm periods and cold periods and times of, of um, extinctions and it's just natural. Well, I'm now thoroughly convinced, thoroughly convinced that you and I and the rest of God's children on this earth are affecting the climate of this planet. We are having an effect. And there is danger in what we have done in the past. And I hope we can learn from it. But you know, I still fall and stumble. Every time I go to the grocery store, I forget my little green bags. And I'm taking more plastic bags out with me. I have plastic bags at home that I don't know what to do with because it's a little frivolous, but not really. Because I have forgotten to be responsible and a good steward of the gifts that God has given to me. Two more, three more bags will have to be made because I forgot my, my recycled bags. So, I saw some heads bobbing. I'm glad to know I'm not the only one. I've given you the circumstances. I've given you the condition. Now I'm going to give you a cure, a, a spiritual prescription, if you will. And you don't have to worry. This is not a Bible. I'm a good Episcopal priest. This is the Book of Common Prayer. But I need it. The last several times I've gone off on a conference with my brother and brethren and sister of the ordained ministry, I've been reminded of something, and this is, a, this is a prescription for you. I'm not going to tell you where it is in the prayer book until the announcements. But it's a, a prayer that I knew as a child when we did morning prayer three out of four Sundays. Um, and it's a prayer that I've said for uh, three years in seminary as a part of the daily office. As a port, I just told you where it is, a part of morning prayer. And I've forgotten it because we don't say it on Sundays. We say the general thank, uh, the general confession, but we never say the general thanksgiving. And I just, I offer it to you as something I'm going to rememorize. I know most of it by heart, but I don't trust myself today. And, uh, I'm going to comment on it because I think it's the cure. I, the, the problem is, is that we've forgotten how blessed we are. We have forgotten to be thankful for what we have the good things, as a nation, as a people, probably as a planet. So will you bear with me? I very rarely do this in reading something right out of the prayer book, but I want, it's such a prayer that I want to make sure you hear it. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, God is merciful. God wants to give us mercy. God wants to forgive us. We, your unworthy servants, give you humble thanks. Unworthy servants, whether it's a plastic bag or forgetfulness or some lack of our spiritual life, we find ourselves unworthy. We do say the general confession, and we admit that every week, but we give you humble thanks, humble thanks. Humility is something certainly we have lost as a nation, and I sometimes lose it. We give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness. God is good beyond measure and kind beyond measure. 
God holds back God's hand. God gives us another chance. We thank you for your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all whom you have made. Not just us in this room, not just the Christians of the world, but to all who God has made. God is good and kind. We bless you. We bless you. We say for our creation, God made us in God's image. We are male and female in God's image, and we are basically good. Preservation, despite the brokenness of our lives, God still wants to preserve us, to keep us safe. And all the blessings of this life. You know, when I stop and think about it, Susie and I, my wife and I sometimes will hear a story about somebody or there'll be someone here in this congregation who is in a crisis of some kind. And many of you know we've been through our own. But we'll turn to each other and say, we're so blessed. We really are so blessed. Most of us are blessed beyond measure. The blessings of this life, but we thank you... Above all, for your immeasurable love, immeasurable, unending love in the redemption of this world by our Lord Jesus Christ. Immeasurable redemption by Jesus. No matter how far we've fallen, no matter how far we've strayed, we are redeemed when we seek it, when we search it. And this is my favorite phrase. But above, I mean, in the redemption world, for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. God is graceful, full of grace, given to us when we least deserve it, given to us freely and without strings attached, giving us with giving to us without an expectation of return except to offer praise and to give thanksgiving. Means of grace and for the hope of glory. Each and every one of us in this room have the hope of the resurrection and the presence of God in the God's kingdom, in the glorious kingdom of God, for the hope of glory. Doesn't stop there. And we pray, give us such an awareness of your mercies. Keep us ever mindful of the gifts that we have received, the blessings that we have, that with truly thankful hearts, we may show forth your praise, truly thankful hearts. We may show forth God's praise and thanksgiving for the blessings we have received, not only with our lips, but in our lives. When we walk out that door this morning, what we do and how we live will speak volumes more than what we say. We all know that. May we not just Speak our praises. May we live them out by giving up ourselves to your service. We're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We've heard that several times in the last few weeks. And by walking before God, walking before you in holiness and righteousness, understanding that we are God's beloved and God makes us holy. And that we are to be working toward right relationship, not only with God, but with each other. Not only with God, but with Jesus. Right relationship all our days. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory from age to age.
powerful prayer. It's known as general thanksgiving. It's something that is missing, I think, in our weekly worship. It's something that I plan to reincorporate into my life, and I recommend it as a possible prescription for the troubles of yours life in the world. The reason is we don't want to be like the Hebrew people of Isaiah's day. We don't want to be like those who were in, alive and present in Jesus's day. We want to learn from the past and leave it behind us and live the way that God created us to live with generosity, open hearts, acknowledging the blessings that we have received and being thankful for all that God has given to us. May God give us the strength to live out our lives in a way that doesn't just witness to what we say upon our lips, but the way that we live in our day-to-day life. Amen.